learned the most in college from my extracurriculars and internships than I ever learned in a classroom. I mean, for me, the skills I've learned that I'm going to take to law school and the workforce one day, they're all going to be from doing this role and doing a leadership position in my sorority and meeting people and having those people skills. Definitely take academics important. They're important. You pay tuition, but also like you will get so much more out of your college experience if you pour yourself into extracurriculars. Hello, Lauren. Hello, Kelsey. It's time for another episode of Campus Confidential. My I'm favorite. excited for this one. Oh, yes, yes, yes. How about you tell us who our guests are today? Well, we had two student leaders with us today, both student government presidents. And I want to read, they're just so impressive. I want to read just a little bit about what I learned about each of these individuals, the first of whom is Julia Hatoum from University of Delaware. She's a Delaware native. And as I mentioned, the Student Government Association president, she's a senior. So she started in COVID as a first year student, fall of 2020, which is true for both of our, our guests, by the way, majoring, get all of this. She's an honor student in chemical engineering. She has minors in chemistry, material science engineering, and civil engineering. So a whole bunch of more engineering as the as the minor. And by the way, uh, the University of Delaware Chemical Engineering Program is ranked number two in the nation, the tied with Georgia Tech right after MIT. So this is no easy major anywhere, but especially at the University of Delaware. Um, Julie's also a resident assistant in the housing program. She's a, a accessibility scholar, which is the name of a program there. She's on a budget allocation board, National Society of Collegiate Scholars president. Uh, she was just th three or four weeks ago the recipient of the university's Outstanding Student Leader Award and has a publication uh, that I have to read. I don't know what it means. It's, it's called Strain-Induced Second Order John Teller Reconstruction and Magnetic Moment Mo Modulation at Monovacency and Graphene. Okay, so this is. A, <laughs> I don't know that I could read the words. I mean, just a delightful person, really accomplished leader, and uh, clearly wicked smart and academically motivated. And our, uh, we were joined also by Emmy Thompson, who is from the state of South Carolina and serves as the student government president at the University of South Carolina. She's also in the Honors College and a senior. She has a major in public relations, minors in both economics and business administration. She is on her way to law school next year. She's super involved on campus. She's she's um, uh, the operations specialist for the Ronald McDonald House. She was the philanthropy chair for her sorority. She's in campus ministry. She's a tutor for financial literacy in some of the uh, local uh, public high schools. Uh, she just got, I think this this year, a, a prestigious copy editing award from the University of South Carolina. And by the way, she mentioned she's this weekend in um, Dancing with the Palmetto Stars, which is the Miss South Carolina competition. And it's a fundraising, it's a celebrity. She's one of the celebrity dancers. And so, you know, just equally involved, really, really a uh, delightful and accomplished student leader and uh, really looking forward to all of our listeners getting to, to meet them uh, on this episode. Yeah, I would say they came in from the very beginning as uh, the leadership speak was amazing, oh, yeah. right? This idea of talking shared governance, leading with influence, communication, transparency, 
authenticity, diplomacy, right? Yeah. It's just words that um, we all use every day or things we think about as leaders and to hear students in their role really embracing leadership at this age, I think is inspiring. Yeah. I, f- I found them both so self-aware. I mean, what they were reflecting on already just a month into their tenures about what it's what this role of president is like and how it's distinct from the other student government roles they had had and what it means for how they have to lead differently. I mean, that self-awareness is just really remarkable. And we all, I could use some of that. <laughs> Every day. Yeah. Well, let's jump in. Uh, I hope you all enjoy this episode of Campus Confidential. Everybody, we're excited to have you on Campus Confidential. We're here with Emmy and Julia. As we get started, how do you all tell your rideshare driver what you do right now? Julia, let's start with you. Um, essentially, as student body president, I serve to represent the diverse student body uh, to the best of my ability and act as the liaison among students, faculty, and administration, and um, be a catalyst for positive change on campus. And what school do you do that at? The University of Delaware. And does anyone ask you any follow-up questions? <laughs> or are they just Typically, like, okay? They typically ask, you know, what I do, what I'm working on, my initiatives, my goals, what areas of campus I'm trying to enhance. Um, Awesome. Well, we'll get into all that here in a few minutes. Emmy, how about you? What's your answer? Well, I serve as the student money president at the University of South Carolina, which is so awesome. And in a nutshell, I usually tell people that I serve as the chief advocate for student concerns and strategic initiatives that will benefit campus and benefit the student experience. These both seem like very easy jobs right now. (laughs) (laughs) She says sarcastically. What, what, um, let me do a little riff on that. Okay. So you're, it's summer. I don't know if you're home for summer. I I can see you're in your offices, but if you get home and you're with your family, your grandmother or a dad or a cousin asks about, this role, what do you tell them anything different uh, differently about it than you would the rideshare driver, grandma, cousin, brother, mom, whatever? I'd go into a little more detail, and I think they would definitely get a more personal take of not just what I do in the job, but how it affects me as a student, as a person. Um, they kind of know more of the background of my why and why I do it. Um, so they might get a little bit more depth than the rideshare driver. <laughs> Are you willing to share that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I kind of got into this job because I'm a journalism student here at USC. And so I was consuming a lot, a lot of like news in my first two years. And I just, I got so overwhelmed because the world can be a crazy place. And I was like, so like beaten down with like all the bad stuff that was happening. And I was just like, okay, I can't let myself get overwhelmed because, you know, I can't as a 19, 20 year old solve world hunger or poverty, but what can I do? Like, what's like a little thing that I can do to try to make the world around me, like where I was placed a better place. And, you know, I'd been doing student government. It had been a great service outlet for me. And that was kind of when it clicked for me. I was like, you know what I can run and maybe it's not solving the world's issues, but I can make little positive changes on campus that hopefully will have ripple effects in the students that it affects. 
That's great. That's great. And and Julie, what kinds of ways would you describe what you're doing to family members or acquaintances or friends back home that might be different uh, than to the rideshare driver? I think my family especially hears about both the highs and the lows that I don't really share with other people. Um, there are definitely a lot of highs and a lot of lows, more highs than lows, um, but they get kind of the full story from my perspective. Um, I feel like in front of administrators in the student body, you know, I'm, I'm, it's more so about the work and the advocacy and, you know, what we're pushing for. But uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes that nobody sees and a lot like the bulk of the work. Oh, good. You uh, know, we're going to ask you about that now. The yeah. I was like, well, what's happening behind the scenes? Let's talk about that. I mean, just internally, first of all, like, you know, running government and um, I mean, my previous, I mean, I just became student body president, but um in my previous role, I was vice president of university affairs. So I led the legislative branch, which had 27 senators. You kind of have to incentivize them and support them in their legislative writing processes. And um, uh, we're, we're more of an advocacy group. We don't really have the power to implement things. So after that, you know, escal escalating that to administrators, uh, reaching out, just all the ins and outs of that, it becomes like, like, a skill kind of uh, to, to navigate the administrative world and, and push for that. Um, and then with all of that too comes like, you know, um, the team building, team bonding, and kind of like the team dynamics of both, you know, leading a branch and then also working with the executive cabinet and then also, you know, the shared governance with faculty senate and the shared governance with administrators. And, and there's just, um, it's a lot more complex than people think. People think that I can just like snap my fingers and like make initiatives happen. And that's how like students talk to us too. Like they'll, they'll come up and ask for things and think I can just make that decision. That's not the case at all. I certainly, certainly resonate with that. I know during campaign yeah. season this year, me and my vice president that we ran on a ticket, we talked a lot about, okay, here's what student government actually has the power to do or advocate for. Here's what we can't do. So we're not going to promise you any of this lofty stuff that really isn't in yeah. our power. But, you know, everything you said resonated with me a lot because it's kind of, I tell people, I almost feel like I wear two hats. I wear the hat of the leader mm -hmm. of the student government organization. And then I wear the hat as like the chief student advocate to administration and the board of trustees. Um, sure. and I don't think people necessarily sometimes realize all the work that goes into keeping up with both of those areas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you keep up? It, it's super complex. And when I was at Cal, I worked with the student government. And so all the insights, I mean, the complexity of the student governments at the universities that you all are at and the teams that you're, um, that are under your stead are huge and, and impactful. So how do you, how do you manage all those expectations? Like what, yeah, how do you manage all of that? I think developing relationships is huge. I mean, we, several years in student government here, um, we haven't always had the best culture. You know, you have people who don't get along or they're trying to make it a partisan political organization. Um, and then thankfully this year, all of our executive officers have been very united around the goal of this is not a partisan political organization. Um, we are here to advocate for student concerns. Um, and so I think kind of unifying everybody around that. And, you know, when somebody brings an initiative to me, I always want to hear it. Like if it's going to benefit students, I want to hear it. Um, but I think asking the question of how is this going to help students on this campus and making sure they have an answer to that so that we're all kind of staying united around that common goal of serving students and not getting off track. Yeah. Do you, I, Oh, go ahead, Julia. Yeah. I think really important, like um, there's just kind of different ways to navigate the different groups, like with my branch or like the executive team kind of just, um, 
you know, a core set of values, honesty, communication, transparency, that helps things kind of move. We There's a lot of tension in our team sometimes. I mean, some of the work um, we do is really taxing, um, sometimes mentally, sometimes emotionally. So just kind of like being there for each other is really important internally. Um, with administrators, diplomacy, respect, um, it's not us against them. It's always shared governance, always. Even if they can't do something, I know that administrators really do care about the students um, and they do want to improve campus life. And so it's really important to practice that with them uh, as well as as faculty, um, faculty senate. And then with the student body, as much as I can, just communication and transparency. Uh, we do get pushback from the student body sometimes. Um, sometimes they don't like some of our initiatives and just kind of making sure we're as transparent as possible. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I handle the three. You know, Kelsey, I was thinking as as Emmy and Julie were talking about, you know, uh, culture and transparency and diplomacy and respect and communicate. These are all the things that sometimes aren't working really well administratively, too. And um, I'm so inspired by your describing those things right at right out of the gate in this episode. Do you how often do you run into on campus when you're working with academic or administrative leaders? How often do you find you're trying to do those things as students and as and, and as a student body, but you're running into the opposite of that. I mean, have, as you navigate, to use your word, have you found that to be the case? I'm not asking you to out anybody. I just want to talk about <laughs> the challenges of leadership when you want to be a certain way and it's difficult to actually execute that. And what do you do yeah, about it? You know? I think for the most part, I've had a very positive experience working with administration and the board. Um, I've only been in this job for a few months, but for the most part, I think I've been thankful that if I if something's not going to be able to be done, people are realistic with me. And it's not necessarily like we don't want to do this for students. It's that we can't do this for students. And so, I mean, I've had definitely a learning curve of realizing all the different moving pieces that go into making something happen for a university, you know, like politically, um, from administration for students, financially. Um, and so I think for the most part, I've had a very welcoming experience with administration wanting to help us accomplish our goals. Um, but I also appreciate honesty. And if something's not going to work, I appreciate them telling me right out of the bat than trying to say, oh, we'll, we'll look into it. Um, so the bluntness is, is always important, too. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I've had similar experiences, mostly positive. If I did ever receive pushback, um, I just respond with respect and keep going. Some people are your friends and some people are not. And that's another thing about navigating um, the administrative world is you need to have people on your side and you need to make those good connections and see who's in your corner and kind of catalyze change with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that that point on honesty and then Julia, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would, the champions, the people that are going to champion what you're yeah. working for. I think those are two huge things for people that are in campus leadership roles. So when you think about your roles and the complexity that you have, what has surprised you the most coming into the president, the student body president position? What surprised you? It's definitely a different world. Um, I feel like I had a lot of um, similar responsibilities at, in my previous role as um, vice president of university affairs. Um, a lot of similar tasks, responsibilities internally, 
But like now I feel like a lot more administrators are reaching out to me. I'm asked to do different things. It's like a whole new world. I feel like the student body president, kind of the spotlight is on them. Mm -hmm. um, and that's different. And I mean, I, I just transitioned like three weeks ago and I'm already feeling that and it's the summer. Um, so definitely a whole new world I have to explore. I thought I was like fully ready. I thought, you know, having had three years of experience in student government, I know the ins and outs. I know how to do this. It's going to be a breeze. It's going to be exactly the same. And it's definitely not already. So that's, that's new to me. Yeah, I think, honestly, I was kind of pleasantly surprised with just the amount of support I received um, from board of trustees to administration, because I do think there's kind of this stigma with students that, you know, administration um, isn't always your friend or the boards aren't always like members aren't always looking out for student concerns. But, you know, I've been pleasantly surprised by how many people want to hear my ideas. And as bad as it sounds, having that label with your name that says student body president, people listen, um, people pay attention to what you say. Um, but I've just been pleasantly surprised. And like, like Julia said, some people are your friends, some aren't, but the ones that do want to support you will really, really support you. Um, and so I think that's been very, very just a very pleasant surprise. What, what, what do you, um, what are you running into or what have you found to be the biggest misconception about student governments? And what have you found to be something you learned was not quite true about university administration? In other words, how do we communicate and, and know each other as bodies, if you will? Student government misconception wise, I think from a student body perspective, they just don't know what our limitations are. Um, there are some things, especially from a financial perspective, we just cannot do um, that we are not in charge of. Um, and so we can always advocate for things. Um, but just because maybe something isn't getting done exactly how a student would want it done doesn't mean we're not pushing for it. Um, I know for me, a big focus in this administration has been on accomplishing tangible changes um, where students can see the results. Because I do think sometimes when you're, you're setting lofty goals um, and you can't just execute them, that's when student government does get that misconception of, oh, they're just sitting up there not really doing anything. Um, so for the most part, we're really trying to improve communication to students about what our limitations are, um, but also like, here's what we can do. And then from an administration side, gosh, I think I just didn't realize the complexity of it. Um, how many different roles and how many um, people go into every little thing that happens on campus. I mean, I my freshman year, I was big on the sorority fun train. And I really didn't pay attention to how many people went into making my college experience a success. Um, so I think just coming into this role, it, it makes me extremely grateful for all the people behind the scenes. Um, but also realizing, you know, maybe they, they didn't always have that firsthand student um, account. And so it's been really exciting for me to be able to give them, okay, well, here's what students are saying on campus. So instead of them just going out and trying to do things they think will improve campus, they can actually go and meet the need that's already there. Um, and so kind of relaying that has been really exciting for me. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much behind the scenes in student government as you were starting with and so much behind the scenes at, at the university itself trying to create a, a, a total experience. So how about you, Julia? Uh, for sure. I agree with everything you said. Um, but also like the administrative piece, when I went in, I really thought I could catalyze so much change and I was going to walk into these administrative meetings and, you know, start conversations that would automatically, you know, fix things. And, and it's a lot more complex on their end. And I had absolutely no idea. And now I feel like I have an in. So I, I hear students complain about certain decisions or not understand why things are the way they are. And I feel like, 
it's almost like I'm seeing it from an administrative lens now. And um, it's, it's kind of hard too, like especially advocating for the student body when like I understand why administrators make certain decisions or why, you know, the university operates the way it does. And like, I also like don't always advocate for everything that the student body wants because I understand why some things can't really happen. Um, so that also makes my job a little more challenging, just kind of seeing both sides of it. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. I think like one problem that like we faced a lot on campus recently, being an urban campus in Columbia is parking. We never have enough parking. Um, and, you know, coming into this, it's like, I'm going to go advocate for them to build a parking garage here. Well, that, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's very lofty. That's not necessarily going to happen. And even though students want it, I would love to advocate for it. Student government has nowhere near enough of a budget or even a university does to just put up a parking garage. So I think making sure and really relaying that communication to students has been a difficulty I've had to navigate of, you know, just we want this, but it's not logical. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, behind that, speaking of behind the scenes, parking is one of the most difficult jobs on campus. Having enough ticketing, managing it. Oh my gosh! Well, and the point, Emmy, right? Fifteen thousand dollars a spot or something like that. It costs to, to build a parking garage. Yeah. So it's not. Um, so, what kind of language or how have you actually communicated that back to the students? And how do you feel? How has it made you feel when you can't make the change that you thought you could make? I think I experienced more of that, like feeling like stuck and not able to make change prior to this position um, because I was a little naive to um, finances and the university like administration process and everything like that. Um, but coming into this role during our campaign, actually, our whole campaign was based around tangible changes for students um, and using our student government budget to its maximum potential. So everything we promised during the campaign were things that we as student government had the potential to check off the box, say we like did this. Um, and so I think that that really resonated with students. Um, and so kind of coming into the our actual term, we've continued that messaging um, through social media, through outreach to students that we're, we're doing this. Like we did this, here's something we campaigned on and we did it. Here's this thing that we promised you, we did it. Um, and so just continuing that kind of check off the box messaging. I think that's a huge leadership lesson for everyone when you're in roles and I can't think of any role that isn't like this, that you have people that are in your care, people that you're advocating to, you're kind of managing up, down, all around. This flow of communication is so important. Here's what we said. Here's what we did. Here's how it was accomplished. Remember, this is what we said. Here's what we did. <laughs> you know, bringing people along that journey with you because people forget. We all we all forget, and so I think it's on the leader to remind people: here's where we've been, and here's where we're going. These are the steps that we've made. So I think that's amazing. I've definitely realized I think the power of small wins in this job and kind of the energy and buzz that they create. Like getting one win creates a really positive culture and energy and it makes people want to accomplish their next goal. Um, but when you're stuck on one big ambitious goal that isn't necessarily possible to achieve, it just leaves everybody kind of feeling helpless. Um, and so actually setting goals that are attainable um, has just really set up a good energy and foundation for getting things done for students. Yeah. Yeah. What, what Julie and Emmy, what have been some of the things you've hoped to get accomplished this, this next year during your term and uh, on campus? Um, a lot of ambitious um, initiatives for sure. 
uh, in fields of dining, sustainability, housing, um, the student union advocating for that some more. Um, a lot of we got we had a lot of things implemented last year. Um, we made dining more inclusive. Um, we worked with the dining department to get a halal station for Muslim students. Um, the dining hall stayed open past sunset um, during Ramadan. Uh, we're working on advocating for more surveillance in the residence halls for safety. Um, um, just honestly, our, our agenda is pretty large and that's where I, I honestly, I'm, I'm grateful I'm having this conversation with you, Emmy. I don't really talk to any other uh, student body presidents, but like what you're saying is super valid. And I haven't really thought about it that much um, with like the small goals and like the consistency throughout the year, like saying this was our initial mission and goals. And like, this is how we're following through with that. We just kind of have uh, sometimes like scattered initiatives. We have so many senators that just keep writing legislation, which is great. I mean, it's it's great to put out a lot of legislation, but sometimes you get like a little lost in the sauce and some some senators are more ambitious than others and escalate things faster than others. And so our agenda is kind of piling up and I think we need to spend some time on organizing that and seeing what is feasible for this year and what we should focus on the most and put all our energy towards. Um, definitely something I'm thinking about for the summer too, like as, as you know, I come into this role and have to prep for next year. Yeah. Emmy, yeah, how about, how about your agenda? Yeah, I feel like mine's kind of divided into a section of advocacy and then using our like student government budget and student government power to get stuff done. Um, so on the parking side of things, creating a campus parking guide. So it shows students, because we have two garages, Bull Street and Pendleton, where everybody wants to park. And it's not even necessarily the most convenient places for students to park. They just aren't aware of all the places they can. Um, so creating a parking guide that shows students the most convenient and cost efficient places to park because it's expensive to park on campus. And for students who are maybe paying their own tuition or working jobs or for things, you know, there, there's no reason they should be able to park on campus, especially when they don't live on campus. Um, so getting that parking guide is really important to us and making sure it's dispersed to students appropriately. Also offering through our student government budget discounted parking passes for students in need on a rolling application basis. Um, we have a really cool program here. It's the Basic Needs Hub. It actually started in student government and it offered free professional clothing for students, um, basic food and school supplies they needed. And it's become such a big thing that it's actually moved out of student government into what we call the community shop, um, but offering the parking passes through that community shop um, and obviously continuing to support them in their transition outside of student government. We're going to hope to do student government's going to put on a like canned food drive. I know last year we did it, um, battled Columbia's with Missouri for homecoming. Um, where we both competed to raise um, canned goods for our basic needs hubs, um, but kind of starting those kind of drives throughout campus between campus organizations um, to support students in need. Also on the advocacy side, we're going through our Carolina core, which is our general education courses, a revitalization process there. Um, and students have made it clear they're kind of tired of taking courses that are irrelevant to their life after college. Um, so advocating for classes more like personal finance, um, mental and physical wellness, home economics, you know, the life skills that we need after leaving college. Um, so, and I was having a discussion with the provost the other day about it and it, it was, she was very kind of intrigued by it. Cause she's like, I don't think that people realize that that's what students are wanting, that they're tired as a journalism student of taking a, a biology class um, and things like that. And then also game days are huge. We're an SEC school. Um, so improving the safety there, we actually, this was a good win for us a few weeks ago, we're getting phone chargers installed in the student section of the football stadium. 
um, because we actually had a big issue with students um, getting separated from their friends and walking home in the dark alone after games because their phones are dead and a stadium that big service isn't great. Um, and then working to advocate for an Uber discount for students on game days. We're the only SEC school that doesn't have that yet. Um, but until then, providing student government funded vouchers for students to have those Ubers on game days um, and then holistic improvements with safety there. Um, but those are just yeah. a few of the things that we're trying to touch on. Like like Julia said, we got a kind of a long list of an agenda, but those are some things that in the moment now we're focusing on. And then outreach, of course, is huge. Communication is always an area that can be improved. And, you know, we're really trying to make sure that student government this year isn't just um, political science majors or one group of students. We're trying to reach out to all different campus organizations and areas of campus so that we can actually represent the student body. I have a question. Do you, you yeah. said you're going to fund some of your initiatives with your budget. How does that, so do you have a budget that you can actually put towards like things that you want to implement? We do. So we actually have a legislation on my desk right now to sign the budget. Um, but it is, so we have about $50,000 um, for our student government and it, some of it goes to like backhanded administration um, kind of tasks. Um, but we have about $10,000 that goes towards initiative funds. Um, and that kind of comes out of our mm -hmm. campus activity fund, which is funded through the student's campus activity fee. Okay. Interesting. So Julia, do you not have a budget? No, we do. Um, we get our budget from our allocations board, which is a separate entity. Um, but it's usually not towards initiatives. It's more so internal things, internal bonding, merchandise, and then uh, putting on events for like the student body. We're not a programming board, but like it's part of our outreach um, and to put on our town halls and then pop ups to like gauge student um, opinions and experiences. Um, but that's kind of where all our funds go. But like if we want to implement anything, uh, like, let's say, get water refill stations or something like we couldn't fund that. We would have to ask um, administrators to put that money in. Well, this is where your your comments and your skills at navigating yeah. and coordinating and organizing and cajoling and your access. You talked about how the spotlight's on you, your access to the provost, as you were talking about, Emma and Correct. Yeah. Or Emmy and um, Julie, you were talking about the spotlight. <clears throat> you know, that's where that um, that's a form of power really, that you have that knowledge. It's it's not structural power, maybe, but it's this knowledge power of how the way, how the place works, the access you have to people, and the confidence and capability you have about recognizing the importance of diplomacy and communication and transparency. To get things done without a whole lot of money or structural power is really pretty amazing, whether it's halal food in Pencater or it's the parking guide or it's the hours or safety initiatives, all of that is all of that really capable um, uh, maneuvering and navigating you're doing. So uh, congratulations. It's I have no doubt all that will get done or most of it anyway. So and by the way, we administrators, I'm not an administrator anymore, but we love when you have things like that because they're imageable. Uh, and um, when there's a, a victory and a win, if you will, for students, the student government has enabled. Um, it's good for everybody. We love those things. So um, it's, it's really, really great to hear all that. I think one thing too that has been really cool to see administration collaborate with us on is improving mental wellness on campus. Because mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you guys know from working in higher education, that's a huge issue. I mean, nationally, globally. And so it's just been very, um, it's been really wonderful to see that students are just as passionate about it as administration is. Um, and so that's been something where we've partnered together to get 
money funded towards our uh, mental wellness center. Um, and we've brought in new programs such as like Thrive at Carolina, which offers 24-7 counseling for students, all these different free resources. Um, and so it just shows that power of what administration and students do work together on those common goals. It's when things really come into fruition. And I mean, improving a student's mental health can have so, so many ripple effects later on in their life. And so I think that's just been really rewarding to see. Yeah, it makes me wonder, what are the things that you need university administrators or student governments you think need university administrators to know about what it's like to be a student right now? What do, what do we need to hear? I certainly think our generation has some very unique challenges. I think one, I mean, I came in, I was the COVID year. Um, and so I think all of us COVID kids kind of have a different, we went through something that many people didn't. Um, and so yeah. I think that there is that increased yearning for belonging and community. Um, and so whenever I can help build community, I want to, because I know I was, I, I love my family so much, but I know when I got to college, I was so excited to just be meeting new people and be somewhere. And I just was so excited to be a part of a group and be in a group setting finally. And I think that ever since that people are, people miss that. And so we got so used to being communicating through technology that I think that just being in person connection and feeling like you're a part of something um, is, is so important and got kind of lost. I think too, I mean, the challenges that we experience with, with media and the amount of um, knowledge and information that we consume every day, it's almost information overload. I think for me, that was one of my biggest um, things from a mental health perspective that was challenging um, was that we take in so much information every day um, because it's right at our fingertips through social media. Um, and so between that and the comparison games of social media, there's there's a lot of unique challenges to our generation. Um, and so I think that just administration, keeping an open mind about that, maybe there's some things that we've gone through that students in the past haven't and like seeking out new solutions um, and new ways to improve um, the student experience from just an overall holistic wellness point of view. Did you both start in the fall of 20? It, yes, yeah. sir. Ah, yeah, both. Yep. That's a tough time. So Julia, do you resonate? Yeah. With what Emmy's saying? Or? Oh yeah, of course. Everything. Um, I, I think that a lot of the issues that we're addressing now are very different from the issues that student government was addressing four years ago or pre COVID. Um, I'm grateful for the fact that I think at least for me personally, my experience, I think post COVID when we came back, everything just, people were so eager to get involved that things kind of just went really well and we got back to normal pretty fast um but i do agree with the the fact that like mental health is at the forefront of students mind and and what they want to see change on campus and I, I do think that administrators have been responding to this i mean last year we opened um our new uh well-being center called warner hall with a lot of great facilities um, and programs. And um, we expanded our counseling to as many sessions as a student needs. It used to be capped at eight per semester and now it's it's unlimited. I think that's really important. And so I, I think that administrators are definitely responding to students' needs. And I think at least at the University of Delaware, they have a good grasp of what students want um, and what students need and what students prioritize, which I'm really grateful for. It makes my job also easier when administrators are on the same page as us. <laughs> when so belonging and creating community, it sounds like I'm hearing from you both that when COVID's kind of started to to go away and everyone came back, people were really excited and it was easy to get people involved. 
is it fair to say that now that things have been quote unquote normal-ish, right? Um, do you see it being harder to get people involved? How do, how do you create spaces and community for belonging as things start to normalize in the next couple of years? Have you thought about that at all? I think that the facilities and the programs that the university offers can really help incentivize um, kind of collaboration and involvement from students. And that's also why certain like student unions are uh, are designed the way that they are with like collaborative spaces and offices for RSOs and things that I think, you know, some of our student centers lack here, which is why uh, student government continues to advocate for a new student union. I mean, our, our student centers were built in the 50s and the 80s. <laughs> um, so definitely some improvement there. We have over 350 RSOs with no spaces, not, not enough spaces for them to um, exist and collaborate. And so I think those are some ways that we can kind of improve that because obviously, like you said, after COVID, um, it was people were so eager to get involved and, and you're right it's starting to plateau and i think uh, the university needs to explore new and creative ways to um kind of help students uh find their groups and find find the clubs and the organizations that you know make this place home yeah i agree there's definitely been a bit of a plateau and to an extent the buildings do matter i think i've realized that recently um, similar to you, Julia, when I went up um, to visit workshop and we talked about the student union, that's been an ongoing project for student body presidents to be the student voice on. And I think just creating those spaces for student organizations for that sense of, oh, here's a place I can just come and hang out. And I know these are my people. Um, and even if I'm not a part of something, I feel like I am because we're all here as part of the Carolina community. And this is the center and the heart of campus. I also think like there's been a kind of push to go back to more of a dorm style living um, and so I'm really excited to see that push from administration because I lived in a dorm where some of my friends lived in an apartment style um, dormitory freshman year. And I think it was awesome because we kept our doors open and we'd have people coming in and out of the rooms, which don't tell my RM because this was definitely not allowed at the time because <laughs> we were COVID year. Um, but we'd have 10 people in a room just because our doors were all open and we all were eager to get to know each other. Whereas I feel like when you do have your own bedroom that freshman year, you may not go outside beyond just your own living room and kitchen. Um, and so I think that as we build new um, living facilities on campus, they're going back to more of a dorm and pod style um, dormitory. And I think that that's really exciting and is going to definitely help freshmen as they come in, um, get involved and meet people that they wouldn't otherwise interact with. And I mean, I tell people all the time, my, I do the orientation welcome speeches in the mornings. And I always say, just get involved with the group. You don't like it. You can quit after semester, but just try it because most likely you will find something. We have so many on campus. You can find something that piques your interest and you can always move on if you don't. But I know for me, once I joined one thing, it kind of served as a stepping stone to the next thing. I mean, my sorority was where I met people involved in student government and where I met people who got me my job and things like that. So you just, you never know where it's going to take you. But I think just that push to always, always find your people. And I think too, and this is something that our VP of Student Affairs kind of resonates with me on. I've learned the most in college from my extracurriculars and internships than I ever learned in a classroom. Um, and I don't know if that speaks poorly on curriculum or if it just is how college is, is what you're actually paying for. But I mean, for me, the skills I've learned that I'm going to take to law school and the workforce one day, they're all going to be from doing this role and doing a leadership position in my sorority and meeting people and having those people skills. I mean, it, that, that's where I've learned everything. And so I say that in my welcome speech too. Like you're gonna like definitely 
Hey, academics important. They're important. You pay tuition. But also, like, you will get so much more out of your college experience if you pour yourself into extracurriculars. I love that. You're speaking our language. So much. (laughs) And to our listeners, we didn't we didn't set any of that. No, no. No. (laughs) I want to reassure my faculty friends. These are accomplished students academically, too. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have to ask Emmy about tell us what Habashi by the horseshoe is. (laughs) So I am part Japanese. My dad's Japanese and my mom's American. And so something I wanted to find a way to showcase student government to students. I was like, there's just this disconnect. They don't really know what we do. They think that we're just this like separate, like weird group. I was like, I want to interact with them and like hear their concerns firsthand, but I don't want to do just boring office hours. So I came up with Hibachi by the horseshoe and the horseshoe for you guys, if you're not aware is our like center of campus. It's designed like a horseshoe. It's tree lined. It's beautiful. has all of our historic um, South Carolina buildings. Um, so there's a street beside it called Green Street where we do a lot of our programming. And so me and my dad, we cook teriyaki chicken and fried rice um, the night before the last day of classes. And then on last day of classes, I passed it out to students for free as part of my presidential meet the president office hours. And so hoping to do that again a couple times in the fall because it was so much fun. It was a big hit. We ran out of rice and yum yum sauce very quickly. Awesome. Awesome. I am a dad. I went, I worked at University of Michigan, where my daughter was a student, and she mostly tried to avoid me. So I'm really impressed <laughs> that you invited your dad to join your your uh, your tenure there. Oh, how cool! Yeah, is that? my parents. My parents are awesome. I I'm from 30 minutes, about 30 minutes off campus um, originally, and so my freshman year, I didn't see them too much. I was trying to just make it my own place and get immersed here. Um, but I think once I ran for president. And I was busy. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed having parents close by. I mean, my family's been a huge part of who I am. My parents are both teachers. Um, and so I think just kind of having them be role models as, as public servants has been huge for me, just having their wisdom so close during yeah. this job. Yeah. Who, who do each of you turn to when things are getting a little rough? Where do you, people on campus at home, where is that? Easily my mom. Easily. Um, she is everything I am and everything I aspire to be. She's the reason I am who I am. Uh, The most amazing role model too. She has a PhD in civil engineering and she's CEO of power engineering company here. That's part of the reason why I wanted to be an engineer and part of the reason why I also explore, you know, other avenues other than my academics. Cause I think like Emmy was talking about, like we gained so many skills in these other um, roles that I would have never gotten the the academic setting, especially as an engineer. The the, the skills that I've learned in student government are wildly oh, wow. different. <laughs> um, but it's it's nice. It, I feel like it makes me really well rounded. Um, I definitely get an education from everywhere that I am. But yeah, my mom she's she's been my primary supporter too. Um, and uh, one thing I really love because she's so ambitious and because she's done everything and because she can do everything, she encourages me to do everything that I can. And sometimes I feel like I'm limited. Um, and she reminds me that I'm, I'm, I'm not. Um, that's part of the reason that I do everything that I do on campus and have such big aspirations and goals even post-college. Yeah, because you're an RA as well. And, yeah, I am a resident assistant. Uh, is it an accessibility scholar? What's the... An accessibility scholar. I do research. Um, yeah. I've been involved in so many RSOs. I've, I've kind of quit them all now. I, I focus all my time <laughs> on student government, but I've, I've been involved everywhere on campus. I know everyone. Um, and yeah. 
And, and Emmy, you're you you're involved with the Ronald McDonald House, right? And your sorority and campus ministry and like Julia. Yes, sir. So lots of different things on campus. Um, and I think that that kind of made me want to do this job because those are the people that I get to pour right back into. And just mm-hmm. the people kind of before me poured into me. Yeah. So with all of the stuff you're doing now, and um, it feels I'm hearing from you this kind of well-rounded skill set, right? This academic side, uh, biochemistry, mechanics, bio. Chemical engineering. Chemical engineering. I gave you bio. We'll go chemical engineering. Chemical (laughs) engineering, a lawyer mixed with these, um, they used to be called soft skills, but I've heard the term human skills, which I like so much better. Mm -hmm. The human skills to do that support the work you want to do. What are each of your hopes for your future? Where do you, where do you hope to go with all of this that you're bringing together in your college career? Well, first and foremost, this might sound silly, but I want to be a mom. Like that's Ooh. always been goal number one is like having a big family, um, pouring into the next generation. I don't know. That's one thing that like has never wavered for me. I want to be a mother. Um, But I mean, in terms of more of the career path, whatever I do, I just want to make sure I have a relational element to it. Um, I, I think that for a while I struggled with like quality over quantity. And I would always want to like, like kind of see people as a statistic and say, okay, I help this person, this person, this person, this person, but instead hoping that with whatever I do in law or in my career, I'm helping enhance the quality of someone's life. It's not about how many people you help, but maybe how much you can help one person. Um, and so just remembering that, you know, everybody's human, everybody's going through something and anything I can do to help them, even if it's not changing the world, who knows how that little thing that is going to affect them goes out and then helps other people too. I think that's your pattern of, of small wins coming out, even in your, your future life. Julia, how about you? I think every aspect of my college career will um, pour into my future. Um, I, I've i struggled with whether I wanted to go down the academic route or the industry route. Um, I've done a lot of research since my freshman year. I'm published. I've been in two different research groups. I've presented at national conferences. I really do enjoy doing research. Um, but I think I've kind of shifted gears. I'm, I'm looking more towards an MBA right now. Um, and I'm actually really interested in like the project management side of engineering for now. I think I think I will return um, to school later on in life. I still think I will get a PhD one day. Um, but for now, I think that's the route. And I, I'm actually working with my mom. I plan to open open start a nonprofit um, with her company's resources and work on um, uh promoting women in engineering specifically um, and other marginalized groups in engineering. I think uh, that's lacking in STEM. And I think that I can kind of tie in my engineering side, my project management slash leadership side, and also my um, technical engineering side and just um, advocacy from student government and um, hopefully hopefully do something good with my life that, that makes a greater impact after this too. Can I just say, I think you're really cool. Like, I'm just so impressed that you do this job and you do all those other things. Like, that's that's very impressive. And I feel like you have a really unique perspective because of that. And oh, I, I, I love when it's not like no no hate to political science majors, but I love having a variety of people in student government because I think like having those different interests just enhances it so much more. Thank you. 
I couldn't agree with you more, Emmy, and you both are so inspiring and impressive. And, you know, Kelsey and I spent so many years in higher education directly because of you, because of students and student leadership and how you teach us even about ourselves and our own leadership and how you inspire us to, to do more and, and do better. And uh, it's what I miss the most, I think, even though I continue to work in strategy work, is the daily um, interactions and inspirations that come uh, from students. So thank you for gifting us with that today. You're clearly accomplished before you're beyond your years. You are uh, so wise. Kelsey was getting at this a little bit, so wise about leadership and have so much to offer all of us. Um, I happen to know people in both of your campuses and they love working with you. So it's a real treat <laughs> uh, to, uh, to spend some time with you today. So thank you so much and have a great fall semester. You have so many goals and so many great things that are coming. So uh, good luck to you and thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much. We appreciate this. It was great seeing you, Lauren, and meeting you, Kelsey and Emmy. Yes, absolutely. Julia, we'll have to have like virtual coffee sometime. For sure. For sure. <laughs> oh, I love when people connect. <laughs> are you ready for some extra credit? I am ready for extra credit. Let's do something just a little different, maybe a little more serious than we're used to in this section. But after we stopped uh, recording with Julia and Emmy, we had a a little conversation around their freshman years being Mm, 2020. And so they came into college COVID year. They're they're it. And um, their perspective was... I say very positive. What did, what did you take from that? Surprising. Yeah, very positive for sure. And surprising. In fact, I think I might have said, um, well, you should get a do-over for that first year. And but, and really, that's probably more because that's what I experienced was how hard that was, that, that time and, and my empathy for how hard it must have been. But what they said was, no, no, we wouldn't trade that first year for anything. And I was surprised by that. <laughs> they did. One, it was wonderful. One was, uh, she said, you know, uh, they were living in the dorms and there were rules, you know, you can't have more than two people in a room and such. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we, we felt rebellious when we had four <laughs> people in a room and it was kind yeah. of fun. And, um, I think they created an experience that, um, we put so much pressure on ourselves as professionals to do it for them. And I think they actually did it for themselves while we were spinning in a world of stress. Yeah, yeah, and and actually the other thing I I know you were commenting earlier about how insightful and wise they are with their own leadership, and I think that ability as a leader to not deny the realities of the situation, but to reframe it in ways that are healthier. I think we also saw that was you know really them framing that year as having benefits as hard as it was, and that's. A, a great lesson. I can get stuck in my own soup sometimes too and forget that uh, uh, there, there are different ways to look at things. Yeah. I think um, just wanted to share that experience with yeah. all of the people doing the work that maybe there's an opportunity to sit back and think of all the benefits it did provide us and how do we continue to move forward Indeed. for the students, with the students and in this great environment we get to work in. I agree. Until next time.
Confidential is presented by Compass Group, produced by Corey Insko and Jen Fisher, with your hosts, Kelsey Harmon-Finn and Lauren Rollman.